Hi, I'm Harriet, a mental health professional and educator, and this is Dawn Breaks, the podcast all about finding hope and maybe also healing after reaching rock bottom. Today's episode comes with a little bit of a warning and it's important that I let you know that Sarah and I are going to be discussing postnatal depression and postpartum psychosis. So lots of people will have already heard of postnatal depression but you may or may not know some things about psychosis. So psychosis is where you see or hear things that are not there which we often call hallucinations and you might believe things that are not true as well which can sometimes be called delusions but the main symptoms of psychosis we're going to be describing some of those today. Commonly psychosis is associated with mental health conditions like schizophrenia and bipolar but in this case we're going to be discussing how it can be brought on by going through certain experiences like giving birth. So if this is a subject that is particularly close to your heart or an experience that has been close to you or you've been through I wouldn't say don't listen, I'd just say be prepared for the fact that we're going to be talking about that and potentially listen with someone who can give you some support or at a time when you're feeling that you've got the space to be reflecting on what we're talking about in Sarah's amazing story. I'm so grateful to her for everything she shared and it is an absolutely inspirational story. So take the time to dig deep and listen and feel inspired. Welcome to this week's episode of Dawn Breaks and I am really pleased to welcome lovely Sarah who is joining me today. So welcome. Hi, welcome. I mean, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for welcoming me. (laughs) No problem at all. So let's start with how you are today. How are things for you? Things are generally quite good. Um, as I've mentioned to you, I'm pregnant, so I'm just struggling a little bit with sleep at the moment. But apart from that, things are things are good. Okay, yeah. okay. Congratulations again. I know we've talked about it, but important to say too. Thank, Thank you, you for making the time to join us today. I'm really looking forward to kind of exploring your journey and your story a bit more. So you already know about how the podcast works, but I'll just kind of recap that what I like to do is instead of giving you a big introduction and talking about what you're doing now, I like to start in time order with how things were and went at a time when you were feeling not so hopeful and then follow that journey through into what supported you and what helped you and then getting to where you are now so people can meet you kind of a bit more naturally as you would meet someone in a room if you're meeting for them for the first time. So Mm. is there a time that you would be happy to talk to us about and share with us where you felt very low or you felt very hopeless and it was very difficult to find positivity? Yeah, absolutely. It would be, yeah, taking myself back about four to five years Mm -hmm. to when when I had my daughter, Aria. So she'll be five in April. Mm -hmm. Um, And I suffered really really badly with severe postnatal depression so that was I would say most definitely like the most hopeless time in my life Mm. so I'll I'll start there there, then if that's 
if that's okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about that. What what was happening and, and how, how was that for you? Yeah, so I was generally quite well during my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of just, for me, it came on very, very suddenly. Right. So it was it was a shock to to me and to my partner and to everyone around us really because I went from being really excited about having this baby to complete sort of panic and despair so Mm. I had a I had a relatively straightforward labor I guess but for me that was when it, it all sort of started to go wrong I started during the labor I had hallucinations and I started to kind of feel very detached from from the real world so mm-hmm. it's it's so difficult to put into words how that how that feels but I will do I will do my best because the, you know I know that people need to hear about these kinds of experiences yeah, and the more we, the more we talk about it the better yeah thank you for being so brave that's okay if something doesn't make sense then let me know and I'll try mm. and explain it in a different Absolutely. way mm. so yeah as I say I started kind of feeling this that you know that something was going wrong during my labor I had a couple of hallucinations and then started just to feel very very low and mm. it wasn't like a sort of any depression that I'd known or heard about before where it tends to come on and more gradually it was just so it just hit me very very quickly Must and have been really frightening for you it was yeah and that's that's one of the main words actually I used to describe that time is I was just so frightened I was like a I was like an, a little child you know mm. really really sort of vulnerable and, mm. and just scared of of everything that was going on but I kind of I've got a really I guess it could be a good habit or a bad habit of sometimes going into my rational brain and analyzing what's going on with mm. myself mm-hmm. so because I was already training to be um, a psychotherapist right. I was very much kind of flipping between these two modes of what was actually happening to me and then trying to analyze it right right so I thought right something's going on and I don't know whether it's anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. but to me it just yeah I just felt like I was in this place that was very dark and Mm. I didn't know how to get out of it I didn't know what it was how long I'd be in there for and so I got I got through the labor anyway and then for me those next few days it just got gradually worse unfortunately I got I went downhill and in terms of sort of wanting to connect in any way with with my daughter Mm. I didn't want just didn't really want anything to do with her because I felt so detached from the whole thing like detached from real life detached from her which is bizarre because in my pregnancy I was very connected to her and Um, and almost like the opposite of what you imagine you might be feeding at that time yeah yeah and I think that definitely played on my mind because I was thinking you know of all those things that I thought I should feel you know that we're told and that we see in films and and media I was like you know I should be feeling joy I should be feeling love I should be excited to bring her home Mm. but all of those things just filled me with fear and and dread I knew a little bit about postnatal depression and postpartum psychosis because my mum had suffered with it um, with my sister so I kind of had a bit of a heads up I guess and so when I when I went home and I talked to her she she could recognize a lot of those 
elements in, right. in me when I was sharing things like about the thoughts that I was having. So for me, it was kind of just a real mixture of, of symptoms all at once. So mm. it wasn't just low mood or just anxiety. It was kind of everything, but with bits of psychosis thrown in as well. So it was just very confusing and I had intrusive thoughts about harming myself wow. or, or my daughter um that's really frightening for you like I just I'm trying to kind of imagine what that might have been like and it sounds a bit like it was almost like a wave of emotion it wasn't a slow Mm. build like you say that just so impactful and frightening and confusing so many different emotions at the same time so what what happened then what happened from this point did you reach out for help when did you know that that was what you needed or or did you you know tell me what happened next yeah and I guess this is where my rational brain came in helpful because mm-hmm. even even on like the second third day after I knew that something was very wrong that I needed support not just from from my partner or from my family but I needed some sort of professional intervention mm-hmm. um, I, did, I didn't know what that was but I just knew I needed something so I was very good at communicating what was going on in my head and making sure that I always told them everything. So what a lot of people do is they get scared and um, they think that if they say what's really on their mind, then their baby's going to be taken away from them. Mm -hmm. You know, your brain will will trick you into all sorts of scenarios. And I I did have some of those and I was thinking, well, I'm just going to either be locked up in prison or a mental institute for the rest of my life if I tell them what's actually going on in my head Mm. Uh, but I knew at the same time that if I didn't say anything it was just going to get worse so I had to pluck up the courage to talk about it and once I did you know I I started writing a lot down as well that for me was really therapeutic to just write everything down and even if I didn't if I didn't want to say anything at the time I'd just hand you know hand my husband or my mum a piece of paper and I'm I'd say right that's that's how I'm feeling this is what I feel like I need right now such Um, a good strategy oh my goodness a really great strategy because sometimes it is too frightening to put it into words but somehow still being able to say this is what's going on and having that huge courage to be able to say I don't know what to do with this stuff and I need some help Um, yeah this is the thoughts that are coming through it's just so yeah absolutely mm. kind of hats off to you for being so brave and opening up because I think it's 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 really really difficult so is, yeah. you're probably already in flow but I'm just wondering what mm. happened from then so you shared what was going on inside um you kind of in in your head and what you were yeah. thinking and you were able to have at that time quite a a detached sense of self where you could kind of view what was going on and realize that it wasn't how you normally mm. felt or how you expected to feel and you recognized that you needed some more support how yeah. did that happen how did that turn up for you so as I say by sort of day three four I was I was talking about how I was feeling and said you know I made that call that I, I said I need some help so at that point my um I can't remember if it was my partner or my mum phoned a crisis team but I think actually even before that I think maybe they just took me into A&E at one point because I needed to see a doctor of some Mm. sort and 
and I was just kind of trembling I was I was like not speaking I was just staring at the ceiling not eating not wanting to do anything um and so they took me there and I think I saw somebody who sent me home again but then we had um a home crisis team come out to the house right day four I believe and so at this point my my partner and my mum and I think my sister might have been there as well everyone had kind of stepped in to help look after you know my newborn because I wasn't doing it so they were all kind of taking it in turns to look after her and Mm -hmm. make sure that I was Mm -hmm. safe as well but the crisis team gave me some medication Mm -hmm. it's all it's all very hazy this bit so I don't remember a lot of it but I think they gave me something to try and help me sleep because I hadn't slept for days um, like a couple of days leading up to the labor and Mm -hmm. then I had a really long two-day early labor so it was just I was very sleep deprived and Mm -hmm. the thoughts were stopping me from sleeping as well so they I just remember saying to people all the time like if I just get some sleep or if I just get a bit of rest I'll be okay like I'll be Mm -hmm. able to handle this Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's why they they gave me something to sleep and I, I think it worked for a few hours but I managed to get maybe three or four hours and then I was just my brain was wired again right so we, they knew that something was wrong and they suspected postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. So they then um, referred me to a mother and baby unit, which is a specialist hospital for people just like that. So mums yeah. who have got postnatal depression or psychosis. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem is there's not enough of them in the country. There's not, right. um, they don't have enough beds in the country for every mum who needs it. So I, we were told we had to wait. Um, oh, for gosh. a bed to become available and it could be any at any unit in the country so it could be the closest one but it could be oh my goodness you know the opposite end of the country so which is sort of not what you need at that time of absolute crisis um, no yeah. and so that was really difficult for my family to deal with more so for them because I kind of wasn't really in any fit state to to make any decisions or care about any decisions anyway I was just in another place Um, yeah but they they did speak to somebody else who suggested that if I went into an an acute psychiatric ward so like a general ward first then I might be higher priority to get into mother and baby unit so it might just speed up the process process. a bit Um, and so that was a really big kind of decision and call that we had we had to make and it was decided that we would go into an acute ward until right. a mother and baby bed became available and so that's where I would say that's where I felt at my worst my absolute lowest was being put in a, just a general sort of women's psychiatric ward because obviously you can't have any family there it's it's not a safe place for a baby to be there right and it's not specialized care because they don't they don't usually deal with right people who've just had a baby yeah um oh I'm so sorry that sounds like it was heartbreaking at that time you know you're already extremely vulnerable and then yeah mm. to be put in that position but not really have a huge amount of choice um just needing the support as quickly as possible you almost didn't have the choice you just you needed to have the support yeah right so how long were you there before you were able to move to a mother and baby unit? Um, so I luckily I was only there for five days. 
well right. five nights and five days mm-hmm. um felt like a lot longer but oh, yeah, I can imagine. it was yeah I mean that was the hardest part was going in knowing or not knowing sorry whether I might be there for a few days or a few weeks or a few right. months yeah so I just yeah that was that was really difficult to get my head around but thankfully it was only five days and then I was transferred to a unit with Aria a mother and baby unit which was about just over an hour away from where we lived so that was quite lucky it was our second closest one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think and then that that was where I spent six weeks in that hospital gosh okay so it was quite a long process from labor to kind of the processes that you went through going to the psychiatric ward and then the mother and baby unit Mm. and it must have been such a roller coaster of emotions that you've described just in that quite short time frame of being acutely aware of what was going on in your mind things being a bit blurry and not being aware and being medicated and that sort of helping and then not and and maybe able to get sleep but also the thoughts being so intrusive that not and then mm. also being separated from aria when you know you've only just given birth and that's a huge thing for for anyone i think any new mum to go through and like you say to not have an end point not knowing going mm. into this not knowing when the outcome would be and unfortunately it wasn't a long time but yeah. understandably it felt a really long time when you were experiencing it it's just you know Mm. thank you so much for opening up about it because it's it's something that people it's really hard to speak about and and to share that because it it's such a personal experience and I think you know people will benefit so much from being able to understand a little bit about what that process might have been like and how frightening it is from someone who's experiencing it from a service user's perspective as well um yeah. you know what what that all means for somebody mm. I hope so I yeah hope no I'm sure I really do believe so because I think you know if you haven't been through anything like this you just don't know about that side of it you know you, mm. you don't know when when someone's had a really difficult time what they've been through and what their family's been through and I think these things are so personal and they feel very vulnerable and it really has to be up to the person who's had the experience to share it if they want to. And so often the comfortable thing is to put that away in the past and and not to sort of return to it unless you need to. And I'm conscious that I'm asking you to do something uncomfortable and unpack it a bit, but I just feel like Mm. it's so beneficial to be able to speak about it and and to, to support people who might be going through something similar or recognize what you went through so tell us about when you were beginning to have some kind of routine or you were leaning into being a mom and what that was like did feeling hopeful come back quite naturally or did you find it took some time was there anything in particular that supported that yeah it's a difficult one because I think probably the people around me noticed that before I did right um because for me it just you know it just felt like I was in it for so like I said for so long and I I think that a lot of people have this perception as well is that they are going to be the exception to the rule that like the one that doesn't get better doesn't make a full recovery and I I believed that at the time 
even though I I knew my mum had experienced it and gone through it got the support and she'd started getting her life back after about three months I think Mm. she was getting better so even though I knew that I still felt like I was somehow worse and I wasn't gonna get better but but I did um for me the beginning sort of process of my real recovery I think was when I came home from the hospital so when Aria was about she would have been seven to eight weeks old I think okay that's the moment that I started to actually accept and feel like I was a new mum because up until that point I was just it was all just a blur and it was very kind of mechanical like just getting through process each Mm. day like learning how to feed her learning how to Mm -hmm. do this and that was it took so much out of me because I was so unwell of course that, like I just I didn't have any space to um to sort of enjoy it or think about anything really so when I was allowed home that for me was when I was able to start enjoying it a little bit and when when you start getting feedback from your baby mm-hmm. that's a really important moment and I'd kind of noticed and realized from looking at pictures and things and talking to nurses that I just never smiled at her. Right. And I remember saying like, she should be smiling at six weeks. Why isn't she smiling? And they said, would you smile at her? And I was like, no, because I don't feel like it and I don't want to. Mm. Um, And then as soon as I started doing it, even though initially I was forcing it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and sort of pretending to smile at her, I started getting that feedback from her. And then I was like, oh. And then it's genuine. Mm -hmm. She she actually does like me. Um, (laughs) She does. That makes me feel like so sad to think that you felt that that she might not, you know, that you felt that disconnect. Mm. That's so hard for you. must have been such a relief to feel that connection since it had not kind Mm. of you hadn't really had time to even think about it before you were at home maybe yeah and I think a lot of it was was due to my anxiety as well because obviously babies pick up on everything and because I was so anxious when I even sometimes just going near her but certainly holding her she Mm -hmm. would she would cry so I just in my illogical emotional brain decided Mm. that she just didn't like me because then when my husband would visit and he'd hold her he'd always be able to calm her down and I'd be like well she she doesn't do that for me and it was because it was because I was too anxious to right right and there's so much to comfort her there's so much pressure or feelings of shame or guilt around that idea of of how it should be or how you imagine it should be like I feel as though it must be so difficult to not be under pressure to to want to get it right and and want mm. for it to go well and then when it's not you know how to manage that and and also what you're saying there about that sort of comparison that also is really painful to experience that mm. when you're just sort of figuring it out you're just finding your feet and really really difficult experience yeah yeah but so, I guess to to answer your previous question as well about sort of when when did that hope sort of start mm. to come back I think it was a very gradual process after yeah. that so after that stage when I was back home and I was in my comfortable surroundings with the people that I loved around me that was what kept me going rather yeah. than any medication or any of those things that the so kind of the mechanical sort of loving, things yeah the, the loving support yeah you. It, and, and it's so important connection 
feels like everything at the moment, especially with uh, how everything is at the moment with lockdown and and, and people struggling with being separated from loved ones. Mm. I think it feels like that connection in whatever form you can get is Mm. kind of like the life force. It's the thing that keeps us going, even when we've maybe lost the belief or the hope ourselves. And it sounds as though that might have been a little bit of what might have been happening for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think we might have mentioned it when we spoke about kind of borrowing hope from somebody Mm. else as well when you don't have any. Absolutely. And I definitely did that a lot with with my partner and and with my mum and dad, because they knew, you know, what it was like to go through it and to recover and that you could go on. You know, she went on to have me and have no problems. So she went on to have a healthy pregnancy and postnatal period. So that experience shared with my partner you know they they talked so often my partner did and my dad especially Mm. so I guess my dad no my partner borrowed hope from my dad and then I borrowed hope from my partner because he'd been speaking to him and so I knew that he really believed that I was going to get better and that this was just a temporary phase that we had to get through and that I, I think that was helpful. Hope is so powerful because you don't have the energy for it when you're in that sort of very very low space. You, you, mm-hmm. It's so far out of your reach to be able to be hopeful, maybe about your own recovery. But other people yeah. can hold that hope for you, so that you can mm. you can lean into that, lean on on that a little bit. Yeah, which is an yeah. incredible thing. You know, I think we we don't give enough time to how important people are in our lives. And I mean, of course, when it comes down to it, what really matters is the people around us and the people we love. But we spend Mm. a lot of time not thinking about how important they are, but the connections that we make and the people we cherish and value and and show our love to really, really matter. And, you know, we can be very, very strong for one another when each one has kind of lost that strength for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder a little bit about your journey coming out the other side. Obviously, you were a new mum, so you were so busy. Mm. And, you know, I I don't want to be intrusive into that time. But I just wonder what supported you as you came out? Was it leaning into being a mum? Was it being around family, which we've spoken about? Or were there other things? Were there any specific sort of tangible things that you did, which, Mm. which supported you even more as you moved somewhere a little bit more positive yeah there was definitely there was a lot of things that I did and Mm -hmm. a lot of things that I kind of intentionally avoided as well that I thought would not would not help me Mm -hmm. Um, so some of the things that I kind of put in place quite early on were therapy right because I already knew as a training therapist how important and how useful therapy was so I put that in place quite soon after I'd come back from hospital Mm. Um, and that that really just helped as well even just like knowing that I had that sort of session booked in in a week or two weeks to Mm. to get me through or to look forward to and that Um, time for you to say I'm yeah valuable enough I need I need this sort of me time it's something yeah powerful about giving yourself permission maybe to have it yeah definitely and and my partner was really supportive because he would have he would look after Aria whilst mm-hmm. I was doing my sessions so that I could fully engage in it and I started like trying to do or trying to plan just small things to look forward to okay 
because there was lots of things that I missed obviously in in those kind of first six months really mm-hmm. but just kind of having small things to look forward to every so often was was really important to me I can't actually remember any examples now but yeah I just know that they weren't big things they were just mm-hmm. things that Something I meaningful to you yeah yeah and definitely um visiting my family yeah it's quite important because we were living three hours three and a half hours away from them we've actually moved to right next to them now right well, okay <laughs> near them um, but at the time it, that was a real like pull to just be to be near them and they live by the sea and I was called to nature and yeah. to, needed to be by the sea um, to help me and one of the main things that I think kind of pulled me out of the depression really was getting my own identity back so what I started what I started doing is when I felt well enough Mm. um I I started to kind of pick up my training from where I left off and Mm. I think I finished my um psychotherapy training when she was maybe I can't remember she was nine months old or you know still still within the first year so Mm. I was I was definitely not yet like mentally ready to go and start doing it but it Mm. but it helped me to understand mental illness more because of going through it it gave me more coping strategies and it also gave me this real sense of achievement and purpose that wasn't just being a mum because I just felt like that person I was was gone and and she was never going to come back but I needed something to there wasn't you were now maybe yeah to hold have something to kind of identify with that's so interesting and I I love what you've just said there because I think there's something really really important and powerful to consider there about sometimes the processes we go through and it might be trauma and it might be motherhood but it might also be other things as well where we lose Mm -hmm. our sense of self and there's something about about learning and for you that's it was a kind of massive achievement and also that learning was supplementing what was going on internally and giving you an understanding a a reframe Mm. of what was going on to support but but there's something really really simple about that something small but learning something so that you feel as if this is something you've done just for you and it might Mm. be that especially if someone's in a position where they're a new mum like you were that you maybe don't have a lot of time for learning but you can you you might be able to find five minutes to read something that was kind of a bit inspiring or something that really lights you up that isn't necessarily for anybody else it's just for you just something that you want to know more about or learn more about I do feel like that's a, Mm. a really useful process because through learning we understand ourselves more and I feel that it helps us to feel more connected as well in a strange way, even though you're doing it on your mm. own, you feel quite connected to where the learning's coming from and who might be teaching or writing or whatever it is that you're experiencing as well, which can be a really supportive thing. So yeah. I love that a few really tangible things that you talked about there. So therapy and yeah, I'm an art therapist and we've talked about therapy and both kind of mm. really believe in that process. And I know it's really supported me as well. And I, yeah. I do think there's something really powerful about someone holding space for you and having a specific time for you that is just mm. for you and it's not for anyone else for you to kind of figure out who you are. Because there yeah. are so many times where we lose a bit of that sense of self and for whatever reason, you know, and you had huge obvious reasons that it was really difficult to hold on to that sense of self 
but therapy mm. was a big process and a big shift and then planning tiny things that you could look forward to so that what mm. I like about them being really small is that they're not overwhelming or feel like they're too much or that you could get too yeah. stressed about but something really small that you're planning to look forward to and then also this learning so that you had some sense of who you are independent of being a mum independent mm. of being partner you know all of those things yeah really and I think that's that process is really empowering as well the learning thing you know whatever it is that you're learning I feel very strongly that knowledge is power so the more knowledge you have the more the more powerful you are and the more powerful you feel right and I and I felt like like as well as the identity thing for me it was it was like almost like a rite of passage I don't know how to explain it I felt like because of what I'd been through mm-hmm. it was just even more I was even more certain that that was the path for me right. to go down and that that gave me my niche I was like well I'm gonna help mums and I'm gonna specialize right. in working with mums who are struggling because that's what they need and there's not enough support for them right and so I just felt very very clear about what I wanted and what I needed to do even though I was actually still in the process of getting through it myself yeah yeah and yeah and healing and figuring it out that's so interesting because I am finding in these amazing conversations that I'm having with people and just like this one here you know that give me goosebumps in you know and some of what we've been talking about has made me have such strong kind of emotional responses to what you're saying and what's really interesting is that so many people that I'm talking to who have had this kind of rock bottom really low moment or period of time like you're talking mm. about that they come out the other side and somehow things are clearer about where they want to go and what they want to do and the thing that they feel drawn to 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 kind of work on and I feel exactly the same that when I came out of of the time when I was feeling really really low I you know I didn't run to what I was doing afterwards but I I just had a sense of clarity about what really mattered and it lots of things that I was worrying Mm. about before didn't and it just gave me this sort of sense of of direction that actually I'm going to do these things that feel good and I'm going to do things that look after me because I deserve it not for any other reason I'm not going to feel guilty about doing things for myself and that's a a yeah as well but thank you thank you so much for sort of sharing that with us because it's it's a that's okay process and massive journey emotionally through that Mm. that that takes us to some really difficult times and then moves us forward to somewhere kind of a little bit more in the middle so bring us forward a little bit now you began to get there a minute ago about where it was leading Mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit Mm. about where's this taking you now and and what does it mean that you're doing now yeah so I think it's it's just been a whole big learning process and found out so much about myself and like you said it kind of makes you very clear about what you what you want and what you don't want so before that experience I was in a job that I didn't really like and didn't enjoy anyway so I kind of wanted a reason to do something else (laughs) anyway and then that just made me super passionate about helping mums so I did did my psychotherapy training in um, something called the human givens which is a very like holistic and practical approach Mm -hmm. which I really liked because I'd had it personally so I kind of I knew that that was the the type of therapy that I wanted to train in and then 
I started off just well I had a toddler when I started doing it really so so I kind of just dipped in and out of it as and when but I knew that I had this specialism in in working with mums and so now that's kind of where all my content is tailored towards really Mm -hmm. is supporting mums so Mm -hmm. supporting pregnant mums supporting postnatal mums and mums of of all ages actually because I've realized that there are so many big shifts in motherhood and these these problems don't just occur at you know during labor or postnatally there are different challenges and different struggles all along the way so what I try to always do is adapt my services to the person that's in front of me if they you know based based on their emotional needs really at the time and then see what what skills I can bring to help that person so I do I do one-to-one therapy Mm -hmm. mostly I I also run circles regular circles for mums and some group programs as well Mm -hmm. Um, and that's yeah I want to I want to do more it's really hard at the moment because of COVID obviously but um, hoping to do more face-to-face events because I really enjoy my workshops and my in-person circles and I did a retreat last year which was amazing and I definitely want to do more of that in the future when we can yeah I think that it's it's a really important thing to for mums whether they're pregnant or not Mm -hmm. to recognize the importance of looking after themselves and this whole process has been a big self-care exercise for me and now I I know how important it is and and want to teach other mums about prevention as well because it's all well and good like having those tools and resources but you don't want to wait till you get to breaking point to absolutely get support or to use them you want to have preventative stuff Mm. in place that you do to to keep you well and stop you ever getting that bad yeah yeah and you're of course going into the you know you're in this experience of being pregnant again and yeah um, going through this process very personally yourself you know it's so central to the core of the work that you're doing and what you're passionate about Mm. you know it's incredible I wonder how it feels at this time to be going through that process knowing what you know now and having Mm. all of the resources and the tools and the experiences and and the support that you have now how does it feel in comparison does it feel very different to last time is it you know I can imagine it it would be worrying it would be concerning but it might also Mm. be really empowering you'll have to tell me you know I wonder where it is on that scale yeah it's it's a bit of everything to be Mm. honest (laughs) and it's it certainly started out when I first found out that I was pregnant again it started out as just anxiety and panic and then and then I remembered right what tools do I teach other people what do I do when I'm anxious and sort of quite quickly got lots of things lots of support in place so time um I'm determined for it to be different and when I look back to last time I didn't have apart from my family and my partner Mm. I didn't have any support in place because I didn't know that I was going to get ill and I really didn't probably didn't look after myself very well in terms of self-care and my family were three and a half hours away from me but this time everything's different you know I've moved closer to my mum and dad I'm living by the sea so that I know help me I've got a therapist mm-hmm. who's going to work with me right up until I think about three months after the baby's born that's amazing 
I'm going to have a doula, which okay. is something that I want for emotional support mm. during the whole process. And there's just, yeah, there's loads of things that I've got in place, but I'm just kind of managing those anxieties because I know some of them are real. Some of them are kind of normal or warranted. And then some of them are very specific to what I went through. So yeah. I'm still in the process of like working through that. And yeah, of course. Yeah. And it is a process, isn't it? I think that's what's really important here is that there isn't a time where you where we suddenly arrive and mm. everything is is kind of resolved. You know, it is a process and it's a, a constant thing to look after our mental health. We're always on yeah. a scale and it sounds as though you've put in all these gorgeous, nourishing things to support you, which is amazing. And and I, I really hope that all of it is everything that you want it to be and hope for. You know, it's such a, a beautiful thing and, and it leaves me feeling hopeful that you're you've been through this whole experience and this whole challenge and then you're ready to go through a process which you have now come to terms with and given yourself all of the support and all of the nourishment and all of the kindness to yourself to help it to be as easy or as loving and supportive mm. as it can be this time round. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'm completely in awe of you kind of in terms of what you've oh, been doing and having this beautiful thing happening again. Oh, wow. Goosebumps again. <laughs> Thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing with us all of this because it's it's really huge and I think it's something that we need to talk about more and I'm so grateful mm. to you to speak about it, you know, that you've spoken about it here and, and shared that with people so that they have a much more detailed understanding of what it's like to go through something like what you've been through. How can yeah. people connect up with you if they are interested in what you're doing and kind of want to know more about it? What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Probably social media or my website. So my company name is Only Human Therapy and my website is just www.onlyhumantherapy.com. Okay. On Instagram, I think it's just only human therapy and same on Facebook. My business page is only human therapy, but yeah, I, I just wanted to say that I don't mean to scare anybody, you know, it, with my story. Mm. I want it to, because there's so many varying levels of things like postnatal depression. Mm, absolutely. You know, so I don't want somebody to think that if they're at high risk of getting it, for instance, that that's what their experience might look like. It's because mm. there's so you know, I've met so many people that have had it and some don't need any professional intervention at all. Some people just cope with their own sort of mechanisms. Other people mm. might need therapy. Other people might need medication. And but we're all really, really different. Yeah, so that was absolutely. that was an example of a, a very extreme or severe case of mm. pretty much as bad as bad as it gets. So please don't like worry that that's going to happen to you <laughs> yeah absolutely but also I think it's it's really good to to kind of share that that what you what you went through and then for people to know that there are that there are people just like you doing incredible work who have um, mm. skills and resources and different things to lean on and support people with that you know that there is support out there and it's okay to to be worried or anxious and reach out for support that's so so important mm. you know if 
Um, yeah. If anyone, you know, is going through a difficult experience, this is an invitation, I suppose, to reach out and however they can, yes. whether it's talking about it, whether it's writing it down like you did when it was its most difficult. And I, I love what you've said there because most people's experiences are nothing like as difficult as as what you had to go through which is why it's, it's so brave and I'm so grateful to you for sharing mm. it but also That's that okay. if if it is you know if it is difficult there are people doing amazing work like you who who can support someone who's going through a really difficult time so thank you yeah thank you so much I wonder if there was anything else that you felt you'd wanted to mention and you hadn't been able to and it's totally fine if there isn't it's just nice to sort of have space if there was anything else at the end um yeah I mean the only thing that I can think of is just to say to anybody who's who may be feeling low who's a new mum or pregnant that it's just reiterating what you've said really um about speaking or getting you know just doing something about it getting support early on because the sooner you do that the sooner you're going to recover and for me because I started speaking out about it like on day two or something like that you know I was picked up very quickly and then recovered considering the severity recovered really quickly mm-hmm. um, and that's because of talking about it and, and writing about it mm-hmm. so if I hadn't done that it would have been a much longer probably much harder journey also the other thing I was just going to quickly mention is that if if anyone has had a similar experience postnatally whether it's depression anxiety or psychosis and is pregnant with their second child or is planning to have another one then I'd love to chat to you because I think that yeah yeah it'll be amazing lots lots to be said (laughs) yeah and to reach someone who can really understand your experience own in in a way that only someone who's been through something like what you've been through can understand there's something about Mm. that real lived experience isn't it I, I love what you said there and I think you have offered people some hope and some support that what's really important to know is that we're not alone even in our really darkest, darkest moments, we aren't alone, even when it really feels like we are. And, and the only way to reach out of the darkness is to is to say something to somebody you trust and to speak about it yeah. or, talk or write it down, however it comes out. But I think it can feel really isolating sometimes in our heads, in our minds. And actually, we're all going through our own experiences of, of different levels of isolation and it, and the only way to kind of get through that is to reach out and connect with people so so yeah thank mm. you so so much I really appreciate you thank you for your time it's and okay. being so brave and sharing all of this with us um so I'll put all of your details in the show notes so people can reach out to you if they want to and and thank yeah thank you again thank you yeah it's been a pleasure thank you for having me What an incredible story. I am so grateful to Sarah for everything that she has shared with us and her honesty and vulnerability because it is really difficult to open up about these experiences that can really test us to our limits as they did to her. I think you'll agree that lots of the time we don't talk about really difficult things, for example, like postnatal depression, and it can be such a personal experience that, quite rightly so, people don't want to open up about it, but it is really important that we raise awareness. And I love that Sarah's message really is 
about getting out there, raising awareness and letting mums know that there is this support for them because it can be a really difficult and isolating time. And really what we're trying to do here is let you know that you're not alone and that there are people out there who will support you. I really hope you've enjoyed today's episode. There is certainly so much for me that I got from that, so I really hope you did too. Remember, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app, and you can leave us a review there as well. Let me know what you've enjoyed, what you'd like to hear more of, and otherwise, take really good care, and you'll hear from me soon.